on a podcast called uh, Dove Jellyson Podcast. Hey, you know how it is, though. Hey. When I was like, this is this is kind of real, like, holy shit. Hey, you know, like, all right, I was one of the chosen ones. Like, it's, it's, it's a career night. Like, never have you failed if you played it right. And, and I'm just blessed to... Thought it was my time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everybody? We're back with episode 172 of Dub Jelson Podcast. Today, very special guest, uh, returning guest for I think the third time, Mr. Jordan Taylor. Jordan, how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? Appreciate you having me back. I'm doing great, man. Um, had I'm, I had to have you on talk a little bit about the NBA, um, kind of what's going on with opening opening night this week. Um, how much do you think we'll learn from from what's happened the last few nights? Um, you know, honestly, it's probably my favorite time in the NBA because it's like, I think this is when guys are not most, not the most motivated because um, you have playoffs and stuff. But it's just, you know, I think a new seed, new season is always exciting. You know, everybody's playing for the most part. You get a lot of guys back, like Kawhi's coming back, Kyrie's coming back, James Harden's supposed to be healthy. Um, so, you know, I think you, I, I don't know how much you learn uh, early on. I think you kind of just you know coaches are playing with the rotations kind of figuring out new pieces and stuff like that um but I, I think you do get a sense of uh of how strong some teams might be right away just because you have those marquee matchups like la and clip the clippers versus the lakers lakers versus warriors um so i do think you kind of see where a little bit of a benchmark yeah i mean twitter was going wild after that warriors lakers game just ripping on them it was bad it- I mean, the yeah. game was bad. <laughs> yeah, it, I did. So I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was asleep over here. But I did watch the replay a little bit, and um, KD KD kind of put it best in his interview. Like the the discourse around basketball now is so toxic. I know the Lakers are struggling; they don't have the best roster uh, construction. But it's it is crazy just how <laughs> how bad it's funny. It's both sad and funny at the same time because Twitter. Twitter makes things seem a lot worse than it is. Um, but then it's also like, damn, that, that's messed up that they said that, but it's somewhat true. But yeah, it's, we'll see what happens with the Lakers. Yeah. Cause like with Russ, I think he airballed a three in the corner and mm-hmm. still went for like 19 on like damn, damn near 60% shooting. Mm-hmm. And everything on Twitter was him airballing that three. Yeah, it's again like KD said. It's, it's almost like he's become the butt of the joke. Russ has never been a shooter. He's never going to be a shooter. Uh, he can make shots, so it's just all right. Should he be airballing? Maybe not, but you know it happens. It was and it, I, honestly, it's ironic because it I feel like all this really hit a, it really started and it started to climax with that Paul George uh, in the bubble hitting the side of the backboard, where it's just like, you know, you got a bunch of excuse me, you have a bunch of keyboard warriors commenting on basketball and you know it's difficult man those dudes play it's a lot of pressure um you know i i played in an era where twitter was just becoming a thing and instagram wasn't really a thing um overseas you get a little bit of that stuff but you can really avoid it because a lot of the stuff they're talking is in a different language so (laughs) you just you're not even worried about it so i really can't even imagine you know the that that stuff gets into people's heads i don't i don't care what any of those dudes say or what we say so it's it's a it's a it's an immense amount of pressure that these guys are under. So I know that like overseas, the the culture and at least at the games, it's it's wild over there. You, I mean, you hear all these stories of people throwing batteries on the court and stuff like that. 
<laughs> did you ever like get do you ever get messages on like instagram and you're like all right i kind of want to see what this dude's saying you have to hit the translate button yeah yeah of course of course <laughs> there are like comments in the section you definitely hit the translate button um i got a shameless plug on my guys i don't know if you follow the swish cultures page mm-hmm. um my guy anthony goods is the founder of my uh co-host on my podcast on the role player podcast he's actually working on a documentary called the uh um it's called the derby between partisan and red, red star and it's in serbia in belgrade the two big teams in belgrade and like it, it the trailer is about to come out and it's amazing like you see there's like little flares going on the court people are throwing batteries like it's gonna be insane um but yeah like for me i really don't give a damn especially now um i know it's a little bit contradicting of what i just said but Europe to me is a lot easier to uh, ignore the outside noise, even in Europe when I played EuroLeague for that year, just because it's like, I've no, I just can't take European fans seriously. <laughs> like, it's going to sound crazy to say, but like when someone doesn't speak your language and they're yelling at you in a different language, it's very easy to ignore. It's just like, all right, like even when you know what they're saying, but I'm just like, it just doesn't, it's weird. It just doesn't hold the same weight. You really say it back and you cut back and it's like, whatever whereas people in the states obviously it hits a little deeper when you can really understand what they're saying yeah and i i mean unfortunately people overseas i mean not this this isn't true of like all the overseas fans obviously or even all the nba fans sports fans in general whatever but i feel like some of them some of them people over there let it fly they let it oh, fly yeah. when they're coming at people Oh yeah, they're they're way worse. They're way worse than honestly. Like they're what they're saying and how they treat you is way worse than than the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine someone throwing stuff on the floor at the end? They'd be banned for life. Like in overseas, they're throwing stuff on the floor. They're cussing you out. There's eleven year olds flicking you off. Like little <laughs> kids cussing you out. Like, nah, they're like. Matter of fact, in 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 my situation now, there's uh we had one of my teammates. You know, he wasn't playing well, and there's people, I guess, I didn't even know this, he was telling me this, there's people on the fan site saying how he's a waste of a purchase, like, blah, 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 like, he's, like, can't play, I think he got, like, some booze at our first home game, and we have played four games, he's played four games on this team, like, so it's like, damn, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're a little, I don't know if it's more irrational here, um, but it's definitely, it's definitely more intense. Well, they kind of copied that little like soccer culture, I guess, because soccer games are probably worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soccer, soccer. I mean, soccer is the NBA here, so mm-hmm. those dudes get it all the time. I would imagine uh, those dudes get paid a ridiculous amount of money. So yeah, the, I mean, I know we've all heard the stories in different countries where people are getting shot over, you know, those random stories about people getting shot, killed, whatever, over soccer games. So. Yeah, I, European fans, specifically Eastern Europe, I say have a little bit more rowdiness to them than any other fans I've seen in the world. Yeah, those people are wild out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting, getting back to the Lakers, I mean, do you think this is more of AD, LeBron, Russ not really gelling together or the roster built around them? Because I've been like, I think Rob, what Rob Polink has done has been a travesty. Putting LeBron with like, <laughs> Bro, they got Matt. They have a dude named Matt Ryan. Yeah. Like as their main three point shooter off the bench. 
Yeah. No, but nobody knew who he was until the other night. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is. It's bad. It is. It's really bad. And obviously, I'm not on the inside, but it's to me when LeBron comes out and makes a comment like we don't have a bunch of lasers. To me, that's kind of a shot at uh, Rob Palinka off the bat, and it's trying to tell him like you've done a terrible job. LeBron isn't. I mean, LeBron's been. Uh, you know, he's, he's got to take some accountability, I think, in that situation, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, it's just it's just a poorly, poorly constructed team. There's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of size, really. Um, you know, they're offensively. Anthony Davis is playing the five. He doesn't set screens. He just kind of <laughs> he brushes by guys and, and pops or just kind of stands in place. He's not very active as a big man. So when you don't have anyone really setting screens and you don't get the ball and body movement that you need um, and you play against a team who's probably better at ball and body movement than uh, any team we've seen Mm -hmm. in 20, 30 years, maybe arguably, then, yeah, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. And, you know, as much as people talk about the NBA has no defense or this, that and the third, I think it's really underestimated how hard it is to play defense given the rules and just how good these guys are like you can't take away you can't guard everything um you know back in the day the game is slowed down it's a much slower pace so it's easier to you know play five on five and load your mm-hmm. defense up and there's you know there's not as much space so anytime there's less space it's easier to play defense um and now that's just not the case so the lakers are gonna they yeah they, they got a lot they got a lot that they're gonna have to fix or i don't i don't know how they're gonna fix it even trading for buddy Hill or my and miles turner i don't even know if that really solves their problems um because I, I don't think it really you know depending on what that deal looks like how how much deeper that makes them um but we'll see we will see i saw something that said they had the opportunity to trade town horton tucker and they're two firsts in 27, 29 for Buddy and Miles. And they said no. Yeah, well. I, I, mean, I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, if, they, if that's true, I would think that is a, a huge mistake, especially if they could have kept Russ, because I'm sure they'll be able to move Russ at the trade deadline um, if they want to. Um, if, if that's true, then, yeah, that that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. There's really no other way to put it. That's a that's a tough L, I would say. I would agree with you. That's a no brainer. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. There's there's really nothing else to say to that. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah, and then I saw another report. I don't know how true this one is because it came out during the game um, that they had the opportunity to trade for Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, and someone else from the Jazz. Yeah, I saw Rudy Gay. Uh, it was Rudy Gay, Mike Conley, and Bogdanovich for the two first. I don't, I don't know about that one. That one gives you depth. Um, I, I don't know. It, it give, eh. I think it would have made the roster better for sure. But I do think, in fairness to Palinka, I think that does kind of set you up for failure going down the road as well. So I think it's a, it's a tough balance, man. It's, it's a, I think it's a balance between you know, getting a trade that's going to allow you to build on the future while also allowing you to compete now. And, you know, Mike Conley's what, 35, Rui Gay's like 36, Bogdanovich is 30. Um, so it's like those those dudes probably aren't going to be too valuable to trade pieces in the next one to two years. So, um, it, you know, I, th- I think the, the best thing they can do, honestly, you, it's my, I love Russ. 
I don't think the the pieces just I thought it could fit. I think if LeBron was still, you know, 2012 to 2018 LeBron, I think this could work. I just don't think his impact on the game is the same that it was. And I think it's hard for him to make up for the deficiencies on the roster. And I just don't think that, you know, him and Russ fits. Because, I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't think uh, Russell Westbrook is that much different uh, from Dwayne Wade. Like Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and and uh, Chris Bosh is not that much different than um, stylistically than these three. But I just don't think that. You know, I just don't think that the way one, the way the game is played is different. And two, I don't think LeBron has the same impact. Um, and, and AD obviously has been injured. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's uh, I'm a, I'm a LeBron guy. I don't like I don't like him. Um, I don't like seeing him like this. Yeah, I mean, everybody should be a LeBron guy. I don't really get it. Like I get saying Jordan's better. I'll no. never the whole GOAT conversation is so played out. Um Honestly, if you say Kareem, Bron, or MJ, and maybe even somewhat Kobe, like, I, you got it. I'm not about to argue with you on any of those. So, to me, as a basketball player, that it's just, like, it, it's the most played-out argument. It was fun for a while, but this has been – honestly, this has been an argument going on for 10, 10 years now. And if you want to go even further back, it's like Bron was the one who's like, oh, is he the next Jordan before he was even considered in the GOAT conversation? So it's like, this has really been a discourse for 20 years. It's old. Mm-hmm. Like, LeBron is arguably the GOAT. MJ is, if you want to call MJ the GOAT, cool. So just for me, it's just like I'm enjoying watching the end for, for LeBron because that's really my whole that's really my whole basketball life has been mm-hmm. LeBron James. You know, he's part of the reason that I love playing basketball. So, yeah, I'm a, it's sad to see him go out uh, on a, on a, in a losing fashion. But that happens to everybody. So it is what it is. Yeah, and I'm. I mean, LeBron got me into the game too. I mean, I I was a Cavs fan, and then when we went to the Heat, I became a Heat fan for the first couple of years. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna pick a team, and I'm gonna stick with them. I picked the Knicks. I'm off them now. I can't do that anymore. I went. I came back home for the Pacers. But anyway, um, last thing I'm gonna say about that whole goat conversation, and then we can get off of it. I think the people that grew up with Jordan realize that LeBron's probably the closest thing in terms of greatness that threatens Mike. So that's why they kind of resent him like skip skip Bayless. I think he resents LeBron because he's the closest thing, not in terms of stylistic um, how they play on the court. Cause obviously that's probably Kobe. Um, mm-hmm. But like, in terms of greatness and their impact and and what they've been able to do on the court in terms of accolades and and wins and all that stuff. I think LeBron's probably the closest. Yeah, I would I would agree 100%. I would agree 100%. The NBA knows what they're doing like they purposely create this discourse like this is. And honestly, I get what you're saying. I I, I really agree because honestly, I kind of feel the same way with the with what they're doing with Luka right now. Like they're trying to make comparisons to him to LeBron already and it's, mm-hmm. to me, it's just like just it's not that's not it like that's not especially like they're going to compare statistically but honestly Luca just doesn't have the same impact on the game to Mm -hmm. me that LeBron had um at the same age like LeBron was Luca might be a little more polished as a scorer whatever you want to call it um skill wise but um so yeah I mean and that that could be me uh in the same role as or the same uh see as people uh you know as the Jordan to LeBron thing like you just said so it 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 is what it is. All these dudes are so good at basketball. I mean, I think again, the older I get in playing, 
and you realize that there's really like narratives run basketball and media and basketball is an entertainment sport. Um, that's the only way all these dudes can get all this money. But you really realize, I think, that there are 15 guys in the world that are just irreplaceable, you know, and you can throw them into it in the world, in my opinion. And, you know, we've had these conversations with basketball players and it's like, who who is irre? Because in Europe, you have guys like Mike James and mm -hmm. we were talking about and like Mike James is is probably the best guard in Europe. He's not irreplaceable in Europe. Like, you know, you have guys like Shane Larkin or Malcolm Delaney or you know, uh, Vasily Micic, uh, who can all do some of those things. But we really break it down. Guys that are irreplaceable are like Giannis, KD, LeBron, Luka, uh, James Harden at one point, and B, Jokic, whatever. Uh, I'm sure Kawhi. And it's like, to really think about that, like, that's insane. Like, to be one of 10 or 15 guys that is irreplaceable, like, that is in that conversation, like you cannot replace what they do on a basketball court in terms of impact is that the GOAT conversation just seems redundant. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are we talking about at this point? Because realistically, LeBron could be one. If LeBron and MJ's teams got into a series one year, LeBron's team is probably going to win one year. Mike's team is probably going to win. And that's probably how it's going to go. Like, it's probably going to depend on. But we do know one thing that those two are always going to be there. You know, and it was the same with like Magic and Larry Bird back in the day. Like those two went, those dudes went toe to toe. They went back and forth. Left. The Celtics will win. The Magic will win. The teams are evenly matched, but those two dudes were the probably the most irreplaceable uh, on the court. Uh, maybe Kareem or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just it's uh, it, it's a crazy class to be in. And for me as a basketball player, just someone who enjoys the game rather more so than the than the senseless discourse that goes on now. I, I just kind of look at it that way. Now, do you think that you need one of those top 10, 15 guys in order to win a championship? Like if you don't have one of those guys, you're not going to be even close. Yeah. I, I think it's impossible to win in the NBA now without one of those guys. Like I think, um, although, I mean, I guess the Suns, the Suns came really close to it though. The Suns, yeah, sure. I, cause I don't know if Devin, Devin Booker was, that they just had a, you know, every now and then you get kind of like that Pistons um, wave, like the 04 Pistons, where you just have a group of really, really good players that mesh really together. And to be honest, again, it's like Devin Booker, if he's not a top 15 player, he's a top 20 player. And it's like the, you know, the the margin of difference is so slim. It's a nightly thing um, where it, you know, so honestly, I, I, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna say no. You can't. You can't win without one of those guys because Devin Booker is one of those guys, and especially when you put him with DeAndre Ayton and and Chris Paul, he's definitely one of those guys. The Suns had a really good game last night. They played uh, the Mavs and Luca. They were down like yeah. 22, came back and ended up winning it with Damian Lee um, hit a game winner. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I watched it. That was a uh, yeah, that was a good ass game. That was a good ass game. <laughs> um yeah the sun i mean the sun honestly i thought it was going to be like the like how the last uh game seven went at first mm -hmm. and then um you know I, th I think that was a huge win for the suns i think that kind of told that you asked at the beginning what what we can learn um from these first few games and honestly i think the suns if you had to pick uh, probably the biggest winners because you know they looked with all the stuff they have going on in the offseason with Aiden and monty williams or whatever 
and then they come out and get smacked like that in the first half, and it's looking like, oh, these dudes are really about to, you know, combust. Um, so to have a win like that, you know, I think those are the type of things that it's kind of cliche, but to say th those are kind of things that um, build a locker room and, and really, I, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but those are the type of things that really like save a season and kind of turn, turn it. Cause if they get blown out, I think, you know, the media starts asking questions. Is Aiden happy? This, that, and the third, maybe they lose the next game. And it's like, now all of a sudden you might be blowing up the entire core. Um, so and it's kind of uh, interesting just to have a dude like Damian Lee, who the the probably the least likely uh, <laughs> candidate to make the game winner, do it, and to potentially you know have an impact on their on their future and their season. Yeah, I mean, do you think that I think that there's been more drama and rumors and and all that BS around the league than in years past? With I mean, you got the Suns with that Aiton situation, obviously Draymond laying out pool. Uh, the Nets with the Nets with KD and Kyrie, um, Lakers with Russ, and then the Celtics with that whole Ime Udoka situation. Among yeah, other, I mean, among other things too. Yeah. So, I, what was the question? My bad. Oh, do you think that there's more drama and and rumors and and all that extra BS than in years past? Uh yeah, I think the man the NBA is a soap opera, man. Like that that's <laughs> that's just what it is. And that's how they make money. I think it's really cool to see um again, I'm 33 and to see where the it's almost like NBA has always been larger than life to me. But like to realize how big the NBA is now and then like look back at what it was when I was a kid and I still loved it. I'm like, damn, the NBA was not a big deal when I was a kid. <laughs> now the NBA is, is a huge deal. Like it is a big, big deal. Everybody, it, it drives so much, uh, it, it drives so much in the economy. There's so much money in the game now that, you know, there's all these side stories. Like it is, is literally a soap opera. You know, you got, this family over here fighting and then, oh, well, Le Le Draymond might cheat on the Warriors with LeBron and KD wants to leave that like it's a soap opera. It's mm -hmm. crazy. And, you know, I don't know that I'm sure these are real like they're, these are those guys lives. So it's real. Um, but for sure, the NBA is and, you know, the media is driving, you know, these these stories as they should to grow their game. And then you have the old international um you have the international uh, uh, narrative is the is Europe catching up with the states, which is what, you know, seems to come about every like 10 years or something. Every five, 10 years becomes like a really big question. And, you know, it there's there's so, yeah, there's I don't know if there's more drama. There's just more eyes on the game, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's true. I did see the ESPN did a little piece about um, international guys coming over here and kind of taking over the game. I think we talked about it the last time. I had you on with like Embiid, Jokic, uh, Luca, Giannis, and then I mean Victor, he's gonna come over here and and kill the game. Um, yeah. So yeah. these these international kids, they're coming over here. They're it ain't no joke. Yeah, nah. I mean, look, the those dudes are those dudes are stars, man. They're superstars. Victor's gonna be a star. Luca's already a star. Jokic and like Embiid is international like all right, he, yeah. went to, he went to Kansas, like, <laughs> like so but Giannis is a star um but the whole idea that international basketball is catching up or taking over the game is nonsense to me um 
the whole, I mean, being in Europe, it's funny to hear them talk about because they're always like, oh, well, the U.S. has, you know, they, they want to take an all-Europe team and talk about an all-U.S. team and say, oh, well, that team would win and we've caught up. But then if we talk about an all-U.S. team versus, you know, Yugoslavia and how the U.S. would win, they're like, oh, but the population size. Well, the population size in Europe is double what the population size in America is. So you can't take a all, you can't have it both ways. Like, mm-hmm. and to me, like European and international basketball, they say they've caught up, but everywhere in the world, there's still, um, there's still like a, 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 a curve for international players in Europe, you know, in Spain, you can only have two or three Americans on a team. They all cap Americans over here. And there's a clear agenda towards international players from a business standpoint in the NBA. So obviously there's not a quota, but there's kind of an unsaid quota in the NBA. Like you can't sit here and tell me that, you know, a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich in Atlanta, who is a a great player, but you can't tell me you can't find an American who's just as talented or just as good as him. Like you're just not going to convince me of that. So to go get him from Europe is a clear nod. Like, all right, we want to expand our game. The NBA is is very blunt about wanting to expand their game, which is a great thing. I think it's a beautiful thing to expand the game to all corners of the world, but you can't, to me, it's, it's disingenuous to slant, um, to slant the scales to Europeans or international players and then say, Oh, well, they're catching up. Like, no, you're, you're allowing them to catch it. Like you want, like you're giving them all the avenues to, to try and catch up, which again is fine. But let's just be gen. Let's be genuine about it. Let's not just. It's it's somewhat of a flawed narrative to me. Mm. If it was really catching up, you would really like everywhere in the world. You would take off the in Europe. You would take off the quotas. If you take off the quotas in Europe, and you bring Americans over here to run front offices, all these teams would be American. But you can't mm. do that because these fans want to see these fans want to see their own on their teams. They want to see Serbians on Serbian teams. They want to see Spanish on Spanish teams. Whereas America and the NBA is more has this idea of you know a meritocracy which it isn't necessarily and you know they're being told that you know these international guys are better than some of the american guys when it's really just business decisions yeah i think it's it might only be true for around the top you can make an argument because i i posted a thing a while back now it was team team world versus team usa and the i think it was luca jamal murray Giannis and beating Jokic. I mean, that's a damn good team right there. Um, I forget who I put on the USA team. It was just like one of those Instagram things or whatever. Um, but they were kind of, I mean, people were kind of split on them, but you get past that. I mean, t- team USA could run out a starting five damn near uh, just as good as their actual starting five. Um, and, and, and compete the same. Yeah. They're just a yeah. thousand times deeper. Yeah, a hundred. Which is kind of what you're talking about. A hundred percent. Like even my like, you take the Jordan Taylor of Europe, and the Jordan Taylor of Europe is somewhere working. Like, I I don't know. He's not playing basketball. Like <laughs> it's, it's just like whatever you want to say. Let's say coming out. You know, let's say I'm the eleven hundred best or eleven hundred best basketball player in America. The 1100th best basketball player in Europe is, again, not playing basketball. So it's just, it's not, it's not close. But again, that's not a knock on those dudes that are are playing. They're extremely talented, very good basketball players. There, but overall, no, it's it's not close. And I think Jared Solinger posted a thing 
couple weeks ago now, he was like, there's pros all over the world. There's only 450 spots in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that what we're talking about here is not like discrediting all the guys that are playing overseas or even playing in the G League, which, I mean, I'm, that's not your intention. I know you. Um, yeah. I mean, those guys are damn good as well. But, I mean, the league – it's just it's just a different animal at the top. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's musical chairs, man. This and you know, it's when the when the music stops, whenever we're at the end of every summer or after the draft, like some people get to sit down and some people don't. Some people are you know are, are outside the circle, and that's just the reality of it. And I think you learn that um, very early. It's kind of a, as an athlete, it's a tough thing to reconcile with when you're on the outside because it's like you know, especially when you you know you do certain things and you have certain accomplishments that kind of meet the criteria of of what it's supposed to be to be on the inside of the circle and you're on the outside for for whatever reason and you know it it kind of it's it's a little bit puzzling but you kind of you realize the older you get and more experience that there's just there are a lot of guys that can hoop there's just a lot of guys that can hoop and at the end of the day it's no different than any other business where the decision makers are gonna you know they're gonna whether it's relationships or just a preference on play style or whatever it is you know they're gonna pick who they're gonna pick Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to the NBA and the scope of that. I mean, do you think that this will be another year of kind of more parity as opposed to back five, six years ago when it was going to be the Cavs and Warriors each year in the final? Like it was going to be some combination of that. I th- I feel like now there's eight teams that like have realistic title title. Um, plans I guess for lack of a better word yeah yeah no I think I I would agree I think they're the way the game is played now again it's so fast and you have to have a star but then you have to have guys who can make shots and that's why I think you see to me um I and I don't know if there's any stats on this but it seems like there's more blowouts and comebacks and blowouts and like than ever before in the NBA where a team's up by 18 and next thing you know they're down by four and that's just because the game the way the game is played like there's really it's it's whoever is making shots whereas in the past it's like all right you have you know someone like Shaq or a big who's really gonna kind of control offensively and and then a point guard who's gonna make sure they get their guys the ball and the, the the pace is just it's slower the game's more controlled um so it's a lot easier to kind of um, to keep the game close because you get to have a lot of half court sets. It's not a lot of runouts. Um, easy buckets are at a premium. But now, like, dudes are pulling up from everybody pulls up from three in transition. You could be a 32 mm-hmm. percent three point shooter and you're pulling up from three in transition. Like It's it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there is going to be a lot more parity. You have the Clippers. You got, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Suns, the Mavs, the, uh, the Warriors, obviously. Then you got the Celtics, Sixers, Bucks um and nets so yeah i mean just right there i think there's probably even a couple more teams that you know you got the pelicans who who knows uh so yeah it's it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting i'm trying to find thing i did the other day Um... what this thing would look i did like a predictions post the other day and honestly like if you told me any of these teams that I put on there were going to be in the NBA finals, I'd be like, yeah, that, that probably checks out. Like it's the Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Sixers, 
Heat, Hawks even. Oh, like you, you, you could you could see the Hawks making it there. Uh the Cavs, I don't know yet. Uh and then Warriors, Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, Lakers. Uh I mean Timberwolves are kind of a sleeper. And then Grizzlies and Cavs. Like probably 13, 13 yeah. out of those 16, you can make an argument. Like they could make it like if if someone told me, all right, the Timberwolves are going to the finals this year, I'd be like, I mean, I'm it's not, that's not that far off. Nah, nah. It's like I, for me, I wouldn't like it, it. Yeah, I wouldn't put my money on it if yeah. I had to, but I wouldn't be like, it's not going to happen. I'd say, yeah, I mean, if they play well, you know, get hot at the right time, play well in the playoffs, figure out matchups, you know, and stuff like that. Um, that's the other thing, too, I think actually is the cooler part about the NBA is like it is very much. It always has been, but even more so, it feels like it's it's about matchups now. Mm-hmm. Um where it's just like, you know, if Rudy Gobert has to play a team with five, but we can put five out, it's going to be tough for him to play, which neutralizes a lot of what the Wolves are going to try and do. Um, you know, if they play a team with Jokic, then obviously that's that's probably more favorable to the Timberwolves, not saying the Nuggets can't win. But it's it's just cool to see how everything falls into play, which is honestly, it's that's it, it's cool because it, to me, it kind of kills the, the the championship discourse because it's so much about like, I don't want to say luck, but just it has a lot to do with timing, where you end up, and the matchups you get. Mm-hmm, no doubt. Do you have any teams that you that maybe are sleepers, like the Wolves or or the Hawks, that you think is gonna get to take that run? If I had to choose a team as a sleeper, um. You know, I I don't. I think that it. I think at the end of the day, it is going to be. I think it's going to be the Clippers and the Warriors and the Mavs and the and the Suns. Um, and then I think on the other, I think the East is a little bit more clear cut. I think it's gonna. I think you're gonna have the. I think you have the Sixers and the Bucks for sure right there, and then you're gonna have the um, the Nets and the and the Heat, um, right there. Uh, if I if I had to choose a sleeper team. Man, do the Mavs count as a sleeper team? Because they went to the Western Conference. Yeah, finals. they went to the conference. I'll they give you mine. Win. I'll give you mine. If the Pel, I think the Pelicans could do some damage. If I mean, that's obviously only if Zion can stay healthy. But I mean, you look at them right now. Zion's playing well. I mean that he's going to Brandon Ingram has really come into his own. He's become he's become a guy in the league. Um, CJ McCollum is a great third option for them. I mean, they have a good young bench. I'm not saying they're going to go to the finals, but that's my secret. Yeah. No, I like that. I like, I like the Pelicans. I like that. I've, I've always, like you said, I've always liked the Hawks too on the other side, um, as a sleeper. Um, but shoot, they went to the Eastern Conference finals a couple years ago. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, man, that's tough. Hard. Yeah. I think I think the Pelicans are probably the best choice, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's probably the best choice. I'd have to sit here and look at look at uh, look at the standings and see who might might make a run. I think the Lakers are definitely not the way they look. I think there is going to be tough on them again. Yeah, the stands right now. I think I think they'll make the play. I don't think they'll blow up like last year. Honestly, we'll see. hopefully, hopefully not, but. The league, the league's better when LeBron's in the finals and going deep in the playoffs. 
Not facts. That is a fact. Um, a team I wanted to talk about at the time we're recording this, I haven't played the other plan tonight. Um, the Clippers. That's my pick to win it all this year. I think Kawhi and PG and bringing John Wall in. Uh, Norman Powell played really well last year. You got Zubox at the five. I think they're primed for a for a little breakthrough run, similar to um, how the Celtics did last year. Yeah, I uh, I, th- I could see them going coming out of the West. I think that they would struggle with uh, with the teams in the East. I think that the teams in the East might, uh, especially like the Bucks. Um, you know, I, I think that they would struggle guarding Giannis. I think that they would struggle guarding Embiid. Um, I think they would struggle guarding who was my other, uh, the Nets. I think is probably a good matchup for them. But yeah, I, I can see the Clippers coming out. For me, I think it's hard. It's just hard to go against the Warriors right now. They the, mm-hmm. the way they're clicking. They you know they're deep again. It was it, it's crazy because all the strengths that they had when they won, and then they brought KD and they won, and it was like oh well they're never going to be able to get those you know same type of makeup of a team back. And then it's crazy because they literally have the same makeup that they had the first time they won championship. <laughs> um, so it's it's honestly it, it's pretty crazy. And you know Bob Myers and them really should get a masterclass on how to run an organization because what they've done over there and the way they just keep reloading. You know, with now you got it's just you got Wiseman, Jordan Poole, um, Moses Moody, um, who am I forgetting off the bench? They got Kuminga, um, Kuminga off the bench. Um, it seems like they're kind of trying to breed Kaminga into a little bit of a, of a new Draymond as well. Mm-hmm. So they just had, and then, you know, Kayvon Looney, if Kayvon Looney and Wiseman uh, make a jump, or no, I'm sorry, not Kayvon, if Wiseman and uh, Moses Moody and Kaminga all do what they're supposed to do and do their jobs, it's, it's going to be tough to beat those dudes. Man. Dude, you can make an argument like the next five years, they might win two more. Yeah. You know, those young guys live up to their, I mean, because Kaminga's a freak. Wiseman's a freak. Um, I'm not as familiar with Moses Moody, but a lot of people are high on him. And then you got Jordan Poole, who might step into that clay role eventually. Yeah, and I mean, she really might even step into that Steph role at some point. That's true, yeah. They were talking talking about it on the broadcast, how he's learned so much from Steph and kind of followed – I don't want to say followed in his footsteps, but um, sort of replicated what, what Steph does on the court. Man, I thought that uh, I thought last year was Steph's best um, postseason. Honestly, I thought that you know I, I didn't think the Warriors were that good last year. I thought that they were. I thought they were good, but I didn't think that they were. You know, throughout the playoffs, it was kind of like, yeah, they're they're good. I thought they you know got some favorable matchups or whatever. I thought the Suns would have beat them had that you know. I thought that was a better you know advantage to the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, but Steph just really. He he had uh, the way he impacted. He had a little bit of like of the younger LeBron and with his impact, he was he was unbelievable. Man, he really carried them to to a title. And you know, I, I even thought Boston was going to beat him. I thought Boston, the way they defended and the way they matched up with him, I thought Boston should have won. I thought Boston tricked it off when they, you know, and that I think they, I think their youth showed up in the in the fourth quarter of that game four when they had a chance to go up three one. And I think they just kind of started playing hero ball instead of playing the way. You know, that got them there. Um, you know, it was like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum taking turns on shots and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was, that, that was impressive. And now, that being said, I didn't think they were amazing last year. I think they're really good this year. So, it's, it's <laughs> I think they're much better this year than they were last year um, coming into the season. You, get, you know, Clay seems like he didn't play well the other night. But, you know, he says that he's healthier than he's been. 
Um, you get, you know, again, Wiseman, Moody, all those dudes, and then a Jordan Poole, who you would assume is going to take another jump. Mm-hmm. Is Jordan Poole up from Wisconsin? He's from Milwaukee, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then he went to uh, Lalu Mir. I, f- I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but I was talking to a guy that had played with him at Lalu or played against him, and he was like, I remember Jordan when he was this chubby kid, and now he's out yeah. making 100 well, – what did he get, 140? 140, yeah, it's crazy. They're getting – oh, my God. A lot and of then, chicken. And then the dubs are – last thing before we wrap this up, the dubs are paying 500 mil next year. Yeah. Between paying the players and luxury, that's crazy. That's like Yankees numbers. It's you know, well, I think the average salary of NBA players are higher than baseball players now, right? Um, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, historically, the Yankees have been looked at as like the team that's gonna have the highest um payroll, highest luxury tax, whatever. I mean, that's insane. Like, yeah. 10 years ago, or maybe even longer, like when they had Baron Davis and, and all those guys, if you would have said they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna be paying 500 million in 2024. I don't think anybody would have believed you. Well, I, yeah, no way, no way. And I think it goes back to the state of the NBA. Like I, I always reference. I remember when I was in college, the year when the Lakers signed Ron Artest, and they signed him to like a mid-level extension or whatever it was, and it was like three years, twenty-one million. Mm-hmm. And that's what. And he was, I think, there. He's, I can't remember. He started a lot of games. or was a six-man. Like he was an integral part of their team. And dudes like that now are, you know. Those are ninth guys on rosters, low key, like mm-hmm. eighth, eighth, ninth guys on rosters. Like it's it's crazy. Like so, uh, and that and, and that's I guess what I was saying. Like that was that was 10, 12 years ago. Um, so just to see how much money has and uh, flooded the NBA and how much money is going to keep flooding the NBA because I guess there's a new TV deal mm-hmm. up in two years, right? So it, it's just going to be insane to see what these dudes are getting paid, and it's it's amazing. Like it's. Testimony to these dudes um, at, at their skill level, but also you know the the business side, the you know Adam or the David Stearns and Adam Silvers, just what they've done with the game. And um, yeah, you, you got to assume though that the bubble is going to pop at some point. Like you you got to assume that these these salaries got to go back the other way at some point because this is this is insane. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean the Big Ten got seven billion dollars for their TV rights deal. So the NBA is getting maybe tenfold that. Um, last thing here, really quickly, um, official finals prediction. Ooh, official finals prediction, huh? Damn, put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with my heart, man. I want to see the Sixers in there. I'm gonna go with the Sixers, and I'm gonna go with. Uh, um, I'm gonna go Sixers and Clippers. Sixers, Clippers, and I want to see the Sixers in six. That's what I'm going with. I got to see hey. my guy James Harden get a ring. <laughs> hey, I respect <laughs> that. I got, I got Clippers, Bucks, and Clippers winning. Clippers, Bucks. See, yeah, no, that that's good. I that's that's less analytical and more emotional, man. I yeah, I, yeah. One of my <laughs> one thing I want to see is I want to see James Harden get a ring. That's why I would love to see that. Just yeah, he deserves one. Just to kill yeah, just to kill that whole discourse. Um, honestly, I would love to see Sixers Lakers, but I don't. I don't think that's gonna. Happen. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. But um, <laughs> hey, man, like I said, I'm gonna wrap this up. I appreciate you again for for always coming on. 
uh, when I hit you up. Uh, best of luck in, in everything you got going on. Appreciate you, man. You as well.